A reading from the first chapter of Colossians, beginning with the tenth verse. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. A reading from the first chapter of the Gospel according to John, beginning with the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word 
became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. There were some decisions I made early on in my ministry, and the first one was that I was not going to make the gospel boring. That I would do my very best to not bore people with terms and three points in a poem. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been to one of those funerals at the end of the funeral where the pastor says, I found a poem this week that I want to share with you? He had that thing in a file in his office. Don't let them fool you. I think there are some terms we need to know. And it'll be tedious. Maybe. I'm a little bit geeky about the language of the Bible, and so I enjoy it. If this is a little bit tedious for you, what I'm going to ask you to do is just please listen hard. Because the two words I'm going to share with you right now are important to understanding what John is saying and understanding what Paul said to the church at Colossians, at Colossia and to us today. He said to us that all things were created by him. Did you hear that echoed in John? All things are held together by him. That was echoed in John. All things are through him, by him, and for him. Echoed by both of these writers today. John uses two words that I think every Christian should know. Two Greek words. You ready? You listen hard? Because this might be boring. I don't know. The first is logos. Can you say that with me? Logos. Some people say logos. Some people say logos. I say logos. Whatever that, you know, whatever distinction you want to make. We don't actually know how to pronounce it. We just know how to read it. But the word has depth to it that isn't often appreciated. Yes, it can be literally translated as word or message or principle. But in philosophy, in the ancient Greek philosophy that the word is being born out of into our language, it has some deeper meanings. I want to share those with you. First is a universal divine wisdom that undergirds everything in existence. The second is eternal and unchanging truth about reality. That there is truth in our existence. The second or the third is the activating principle. That thing which all things are derived from. And all things are held together by. And again, it's common meaning is word, message, saying, and, and principle. And so John would say to us, the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. But important for our understanding of Jesus and in, on the heels of the sermon I gave last night, what we need to hear is that in the beginning, the Logos was. 
and that the Logos was with God, and that the Logos was God. And this is one of those texts, this and the Paul text, and other sayings of Jesus that forced the church to wrestle with the idea that this Son of God might somehow be more than just a hybrid of Zeus and whoever Zeus was with to create Hercules. That they weren't dealing with some hybrid God person. They were dealing with a God man, a person who was 100% God and 100% man. A person who was the Logos in the flesh. The one who created and sustains all things by his very being had come and taken on our flesh. And as I shared with you last night, That is important for us for a number of reasons, but one of which is that we need for Him to be one of us. To share our flesh and blood. Because since He is one of us, He is actually eligible to pay the debt that we owe due to our own sin. And because He is God Almighty... He is able to pay that debt. None of us can. We are all imperfect and broken. But He could pay that debt. And so the one who created all things and holds all things together with His very being, the one who brought you into existence, took on your form to give you new birth out of slavery to sin and death. The Logos has come. That is what we celebrate the Christmas season, all 12 days of it. That the one who created all things came to us. Logos. What John calls the word, or what our English Bible calls the word. The next is this word dwelt. He dwelt among us. I like dwelt better than he dwelled with us. Don't y'all? Dwelt sounds so much smarter and more cool in a way. But the NIV, the more modern NIV says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word that John is using there for dwelling is skenao. You want to say that one with me? Skenao. Anybody know what that means? You can get a gold star today. It comes from the word skene, which means tent. How many of you have gone camping? Anybody? Anybody ever gone camping? How many of you actually do real camping, not in an RV, but in a tent? All right. Fewer hands. You got to be bold to pitch a tent, don't you? Roll up into some place and throw up a tent and look at that little piece of fabric and believe it's going to protect you. I can remember one night I pitched a tent at Drayer Island State Park at Lake Murray and immediately had to leave and go to town and go to the movies because the thunderstorm that was over my head was entirely too intense to stay in that tent. Pitching a tent, it's a transient action. It's something that someone does when they mean to come and be with you for a time for some particular purpose. The people that Jesus originally came to were a transient people. They began their life that way. It was only after they entered the promised land that they made dwellings. Before that, they dwelt in tents. Do you hear me, church? 
They dwelt in tents. This one, the Logos, came and pitched a tent, dwelt in the tent the same way that his people dwelt in a tent. The Logos came and pitched a tent with us. What that tells me is that what we're dealing here is not with is not some idyllic fable, but a sense of truth about a God who loves us enough to come and be with us and lead us out of our bondage. A God who loves us enough to take on our very form, to pitch a tent with us, to come and erect a dwelling place in the middle of us. I don't know about you, but the idea that God came and pitched a tent beside me carries much more weight than the kind of vapid idea that God's out there in the atmosphere dwelling with us. It means to me that God wants to have the same relationship with me as my friend who comes and pitches a tent at my campsite when I do my vacation after Easter. You know what I mean? Somebody who comes for a couple days to join you on your time. They do that because they care about you, don't they? Pitching a tent. These are the two words I wanted to share with you today because one of the things that I thought about when I first started preaching other than not wanting to be boring is I didn't want to go on too long about the same thing over and over. So I'm leaving you with these two words to ponder this week during this Christmas season? What does it mean to you that the Logos, the activating principle, the thing that underlies everything that is real and true, came and pitched a tent with you to live beside you and lead you? I hope, dear ones, that it's good news for you. Even more, I hope it inspires you to go out and tell others who it is that's walking beside us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.